The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, Celine. My name's Natalie. I recently started listening to your podcast about two months ago, and I tell you what, I am catching up so fast. And just listening to you, and not just listening, but more so I'm, I'm hearing you. I hear what you're saying, and I trust you because you research everything. And before you go and you start talking about something, I know that you have the research in you. And I respect that so much. I have been doing a lot of soul searching and a lot of research myself, and I'm still trying to find what's best for me, but I just want to say thank you to you so much. You've really helped me look inward and find just things that that are going to help me be a better person, a better wife, a better mom to my dog. Yes, I'm a dog mom. I don't have children yet, but a better daughter, a better sister, a better aunt. And I just, I respect you so much. And I thank you so much. Love you. Mean it. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition of The Shalene Show. Today, we're talking about how to create an amazing circle of friends. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Friendships. It's something we all desire. We know it improves our lives. We know it oftentimes it's the people in our lives that make us better, who we can share our greatest joys with and our deepest sorrows. And sometimes our friendships are even more profound than our family relationships. But why is it we're so tormented with certain friendships? Why is it not as obvious with certain people whether or not we should be letting go, moving on, or kind of setting our differences aside and putting more effort into the relationships? I mean, sometimes it's not as obvious. Like, do you tough it out with a friend who's struggling with addiction or behavior that just doesn't seem like it's who they are or who you thought they were? Do you stay with them? Do you continue to support someone who's values have radically changed from yours? Do you leave behind a friend who you just, you have nothing in common with them anymore? There's nothing wrong with them. You don't disagree with their character, but you just have such a boring time when you're with them. And what about that friendship that's just started to fizzle? You're spending less and less time together. Nothing's really happened, but you tend to be drifting apart and you've got this guilt about it. People have asked you, hey, when's the last time you saw so-and-so or Maybe it just dawned on you, you haven't got together with this person in a really long time and there's no particular reason, but should you invest more time and try to get that friendship rekindled or is it okay to let go? Now, fundamentally, you might want a very specific checklist and if all the boxes are checked off, then you would know it's time to end a friendship, but it's not always that cut and dried. Nonetheless, There are signs, big signs, that we often overlook and question ourselves. 
you know, if I want my way, right? If I want the right outcome, if I want to be happy, it's just easier if you get along with people. And it's a heck of a lot easier if people like you. And not very many people like you if you're a jerk or rude or just hard-nosed. So why do you think it is people are this way? Well, the number one reason why people are this way on a regular basis, I'm not talking about the occasional bad day. I'm not talking about somebody who things weren't going so well and they were just not as pleasant as they normally are. I'm talking about someone who's regularly a jerk and treats people poorly. We're talking about people who hurt other people on a daily basis, don't take others' feelings into consideration, and they do it all the time. Well, the number one reason why it works for them or the reason why they do that is because it works. It gives them the result that they're looking for. Now, they don't realize that it's making them unhappy. They don't realize that that unhappiness then turns into like a cycle where they're more unkind and more thoughtless. They don't realize that that cycle happens because when you're not nice to someone, you've all had this happen before where you've been in a bad mood or you've screamed at your kids or you've been rude to somebody who you didn't know like a stranger and then you feel bad. You feel really bad, like it can keep you up at night and you can try to justify in your head, you're like, well, they did this, this and that and that's why I acted that way. But you still feel bad because you're a nice person. At your core, you're a nice person. So they think it works for them because they're getting an intended result. The number one result that they're looking for is control and the number two result they're looking for is distance. So the toughest, meanest people are the people who have survived. They've gone through some really bad stuff and they are so afraid to open up that can of worms and actually feel emotions because they know that the emotion that they're going to feel is pain and hurt and sadness and that feels weak. It's almost better for them to feel bad about themselves because you never feel good about yourself when you're mean to somebody, even if it's a complete stranger, even if they kind of deserved it, you know, the types I'm talking about, like they stole your parking spot and you want to roll down the window and go, listen, I was waiting for that spot, you, you know, like you want to do that. But even if you did that and they kind of deserved it, you'd still feel bad. So even when somebody who's always mean, they genuinely always feel bad about it. They do but they would rather feel bad about that than deal with the loss of control that might happen if they were to experience their true, true feelings. So that's why people do it. It serves them and there's not much we can do about it. People only change when they're motivated to because they feel supported and loved by the person who is around them. So remember that you're never going to get someone to act differently by like wagging your finger in their face and telling them, unless of course you are the boss and you have the ability to do that. Like if you're the boss and you have a manager or another employee who's being this way, you can address it and you should. But when it comes to interpersonal relationships, all that we can do is understand where it comes from and approach it from a place of love. People are very, very good at reading between the lines. We don't have to tell people, you know, you're kind of a jerk. You can have less direct conversations and people know what you're talking about. But you get more bees with honey. Everybody likes nice people more. And that's all that you can do. You can just lead by example. Don't challenge mean people. Know that when they're throwing their temper tantrums, that it's a child throwing this temper tantrum. Know that that person who's screaming and yelling and being rude is no different from a two-pound chihuahua. They're afraid. They don't believe they are powerful. They are not doing it because they think they're better. They are doing it because they're afraid and they don't think well highly of themselves. So that's why people do it. The only time when you might want to sit down with somebody 
and explain to them why you want to move on or move apart and wish them well and 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 have that closure is if for some reason you really believe they've hit rock bottom and they need to know that either they are losing you or they've lost you. But if it doesn't help someone, if it's not truly going to be something they can do something about, because you know people don't change, they just don't. And for you to think that someone will because you're no longer going to be friends with them is, I don't know. Okay, I'll just let you make that decision. I can just tell you there's only been one situation ever in my entire life where I cared so much about somebody and I knew that they were struggling with addiction and I really had to tell them that that was my rock bottom, that I could no longer be friends with them because their addiction was too devastating and I felt like I was supporting it by not letting them know. And I felt in a way that I was supporting their addiction by not telling them it was unacceptable. And by the way, I'm still great friends to this day with that individual. So in that one situation, I'm really kind of glad that I did have that conversation. But in most cases, it's just that you've just both changed. It isn't a question of addiction or, you know, life-threatening behavior. In most cases, you're just different now. And I just don't know why you're going to make another person feel bad about that. It's not a friendship if all the work, all the care, all the thoughtfulness, sacrifices, and contributions are only ever coming from one side. Now, let me be clear. You have to be very careful that you're not judging this particular moment or season in your friendship. A good friendship, like a good relationship, like a great marriage, will have ebb and flow. Times when you need them more than they need you. Times when they need you more than you need them. Times when you are the shoulder for them to lean on. You're the person who's lifting them up, who's there in times of need and times of success. We all have friends who kind of disappear when things are good and they show back up when we've hit rock bottom. I put that friend in a particular category. That's someone who feels better when I feel bad. And we also have friends who are only there when things are good. Like they want to ride the tide. They want to ride the wave. And they're nowhere to be found if there's nothing for them to be gained from you. I think the quality of our friendships should be determined by those who are there through thick and thin, through good and bad. And that means that our relationship will shift back and forth. You see, sacrificing your happiness or your health or anything for that matter to try to make another person happy is not a noble act. It's actually kind of selfish because it's unsustainable and you're not giving that person credit to take care of themselves. Plus, it can be incredibly destructive. You can't maintain that without experiencing a level of exhaustion. And you might not feel it initially, but over time, burnout sets in. You are not responsible for another person's happiness. You can be a part of their happiness. You can celebrate in their happiness. You can do things that contribute to their happiness, but you are never responsible for another person's happiness. That has to come from within. If I can't trust someone, and if someone's shown me that I can't trust them, I tend to believe them the first time they show me. And I think it's important that we all recognize that. You know, when people show you who they are, you should believe them. And that's not to say that we shouldn't forgive. And there are extenuating circumstances. And there are people that we have to consider individually. But in general, especially when it's a newer friendship, 
or a deep, deep betrayal that just can't be explained away, that's someone who, frankly, you're going to have a hard time rebuilding that trust. And without trust, that's a relationship, but not likely a friendship. Martin Luther King said, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. That's a good one. Let me tell you what that means for me. If I have a friend who loves to report back to me negative things they've heard someone else say about me, and that's a close friend, and they actually became an easy sounding board for someone who had something horrible to say about me, that's someone I can't trust. They didn't stand up for me. They didn't speak on my behalf. The worst time to have a conversation about something that feels like a big deal is when you're feeling emotional about it. Now, yes, I understand there's certain things you're never going to be able to remove the emotion that you feel. But specifically, I'm referring to moments when you're angry or you're mad, where you want to make a statement where your emotion is clouding your common sense and your ability to stay calm and your ability to resolve conflict. Your emotion is clouding your ability to hear the other person's side. So step one is to begin to prepare that conversation immediately. Preparing yourself also means identifying the best time to have it. Timing is everything. Timing is going to improve the way that your message is received. Rather than just thinking about what's the best time for you and making certain that you're calm, I also want you to think about, is this the right time to have this conversation with the other party? Like, are they in the middle of something huge? Now, again, don't use that as an excuse like, oh, gosh, I need to have this conversation, but they're right in the middle of medical school, so I'm going to wait another eight years before I have this conversation. I mean, you want to resolve it as quickly as possible, but do give some thought and consideration to how their emotional state, their mental state will have an impact on how they receive the message. Next, if this is truly a conversation, you need to listen. You need to listen to what they've said. You need to hear their point of view and you need to repeat it back. Use the words that they've just used. That helps them to understand, number one, you're on the same team. It diffuses emotion. Number two, you're also making certain that you've heard what they've said and you understand it. You can also further diffuse any defensiveness because remember, people don't change. They don't see your perspective. They just get defensive and stuck when they feel like they're being attacked. Even if your intention is very loving, if another person, when you're having this conversation, feels like you're trying to tell them how they're wrong, it feels like an attack on their identity. Even if they know these things to be true, it hurts. So help to diffuse those emotions by pointing out your own shortcomings, by leading with things that they'll be able to relate to by making yourself relatable, by bringing yourself to their level, by not making it all about them, almost making it about you. If you go into the situation asking more questions, it automatically forces you to become more open-minded. In fact, before you have this conversation, I want you to seriously consider putting yourself 
in their shoes. I mean, what would it be like to be them with their set of circumstances, their life experiences, the things that they've been through? Like, especially if you know this person, you probably know the reasons they act the way that they do. Like, think about their childhood. Think about the traumas that they've been through. Think about their their experiences and how they've responded to other things. As opposed to taking this so personally, imagine what this conversation would feel like from their point of view, with their point of reference. Imagine you're them for a moment. Your objective is to help people feel loved, to help people feel significant, to help people feel heard and understood. And the best way to feel understood is if we can relate to one another. So you can't make it all about the other person. You've got to see your own ways. You've got to be able to point them out and to make it more about you. We are so good at reading between the lines, which is funny because if you Google how to deal with a difficult conversation, which of course I always Google whatever topic it is I'm going to be discussing. The predominant advice is to be direct and to not mince words and to just, you know, confront the other person. It's like, what? And every online article must just be copying this information. But y'all, that does not work. Do you think the FBI or the CIA or the people who need to have difficult conversations, who need others to do what they need them to do, do you think they just go about it by being direct? No, you have to understand human psychology. Duh. Now, of course, there are instances where it's really important to be direct, especially when you're really making a statement, when you're creating boundaries when you need to be very clear about expectations, when it's the fifth time that you're counseling somebody about the same problem and you're ready to walk or you're ready to terminate them or you're ready to end the friendship. If you've already had previous conversations and it's not going anywhere and now you need to communicate very clearly what's going to happen next, then it is really important to be direct. To remove the emotion, to stay calm, to be direct, to be certain that you're not mincing words, to clearly define expectations, and then also to let them know about the consequences. And these, again, cannot be empty threats. We underestimate and undervalue the significance and the significant role that our friendships and community play on both our physical and our mental health. If you look at the components of health, y'all know it's far more than just what you eat and how you exercise. It's your relationships. When your relationships are in disarray, you know that. You can feel the stress. You can feel how difficult it is to relax and to let go and to feel calm. When you're in a bad place with the person you love in particular, you can feel that stress and it takes a toll on your immune system, on your sleep, everything. Now, you know that, but did you realize that by having community and friendships you give yourself all of the benefits that you know you feel when things are running smoothly between you and your significant other or your love relationships. Your relationships with the people who are not your love interest, but your friends and family, the people that matter to you, those things have a major impact on your health. 
by having close relationships, especially with friends, you're giving yourself a form of meditation, a form of restoration, a way to reboot, a way to refuel. And I posted something on on Instagram and I meant it. <laughs> like feeling guilty about recharging or resting or doing a reboot or spending time with your friends makes about as much sense as it does to feel guilty about the fact that you have to stop to fill your car up with gas. You don't feel guilty about that. You know it's a necessity. And you know that it's not okay to run out of gas. That's irresponsible. So why do we think that somehow we are more invincible than a machine? Why do we think we're better than a machine? Why do we think that we're somehow able to run on this limitless amount of energy without ever giving thought or time or planning to refueling? I certainly have a lot of people who I'm friends with, but when it comes to like the people who I would trust with my life, those have taken a long time to develop those kinds of friendships. But the point is, if you don't have any close friendships, you need to first like just take a look at yourself and go like, okay, what is it about me that is pushing these people away or isn't attracting them? What is my role in this scenario? If you're someone who's like, oh, women are catty or they're competitive, you're just looking for the wrong kind of friends. And there's something about you then that's not seeing the quality women because they're out there. Maybe you're looking for the wrong things. Maybe you're missing it because you're looking at what they look like or where they live or how much money they have. And those types of qualities are, in my opinion, irrelevant. They're not nearly as significant as character traits. Now, frankly, I will say this. The character traits I'm looking for in friends, they tend to produce really successful, confident women. Okay, back to you having this group of people. Here's how you start it. One person at a time. And you already have that person, I bet, who meets your qualifications. I'm going to share with you my, you know, when I think about my qualifications, like the first person who comes to mind really is my sister. So here's what bonds this particular group. And by the way, you're going to develop these groups. The older you are, I think, the more clarity you have around what it is you're looking for in relationships. And you might have more than one group. You might have like a very tight group of gals that you connect with at your church or through fitness or at work, whatever. But this group that I spend time with, they all have, with rare exception, a true passion for fitness. Every single one of them. Their faith and their integrity and their values are really important. They have a big, huge sense of humor. Like they all are funny in their own way or they like have a great sense of humor and they get it, if you know what I mean. Every one of them loves to dance. Every one of them is a business owner. Almost every one of them. There's a few who I question their willingness to go deep. But again, most of them, they're willing to go there. I think almost all of them are what I like to call outgoing introverts because, you know, like this is a quality that it's nice to be around other people who are that way, who are like, yeah, let's all get together. Okay, y'all need to step away and give me my minute. You know, if you're with someone who's like an extrovert all the time, they don't understand that you need some time 
away. All these girls need a little bit of time alone. They're all very confident women. Zero drama. If I have someone who's like a friend, and I have some friends and acquaintances, females who, they're the type that like, oh, I don't know what it is, but people are always hurting me or this person really hurts my feelings. I just, I can love that person, but I can't love them on the same level. Please don't take this personal, but I would not be able to hang out with you on the regular because those kind of people are so, in my opinion, they're victims. Like, I don't know. They just hurt my feelings and they're not, uh, I just can't. It means like you're so dependent and needy that you're allowing how someone else treats you to define you. Someone can't hurt you unless you've given them permission to. Now, someone can do something that's hurtful or unkind or thoughtless, but you can't hurt me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a decision that you give someone permission to do. So by zero drama tolerate, and I don't want to spend time with people who are like, is there a reason why you didn't sit by me at dinner? Oh gosh, that's probably another reason why I could ever be on a reality TV show. These women are authentic. They don't try. Do you know what I mean? Like they really just are who they are. They don't have anything to prove to anyone. They all happen to be moms. This is a list, by the way. You should create your own list. And when I think about these commonalities, these are the kinds of things, when you think about the kind of people that you just feel super comfortable around and enjoy being around, make that list. And you should probably include some things that you don't like being around. These are women that like love to entertain people like by making people laugh or dancing or whatever. They've got a desire to be better. Like, so they have a growth mindset. They're honest. They're loyal. They love high heels. They're very trustworthy. We're all about the same age-ish. They're very kind. They're down for anything. Like, okay, let's try it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. And they're just addicted to laughing. So that's my list of these women who I've added kind of like one at a time. So it started off with me and my sister and my girlfriend, Jen, who my sister and I have known since high school. And then my girlfriend, Monica, who I met, like first person I ever met when I moved to Southern California, right? And that was our first group of four. And then each year, you know, we've kind of added a new person and then added a new person. Lastly, I want to address the subject of mindset. If you've said out loud or maybe just in your own head, I don't have friends like that. I can't find friends like that. I just, I don't have many friends. I don't have many people I can count on. I need you to know you've made that decision. You have created a situation where you don't have many people to count on because for whatever reason, maybe you've driven them away by being too needy, or maybe you haven't let people in. Maybe you haven't taken the effort to connect with people for fear that they're going to reject you or that they're not going to give you the response or the reaction that you're looking for. If you desire this kind of friendship, the type of close-knit individuals that you can be so comfortable around, you can be yourself and you can rely on them and you know that they're going to be there for you and that they love you and support you. You've got to work at this and you've got to work on yourself. You've got to figure out what it is you're doing that's not allowing that to come into your life. Whether it's, you know, you intentionally doing things because you're afraid of rejection or you're afraid of getting hurt people have burned you in the past, like whatever that is, like the past is the past. And if you're telling yourself, I just can't trust people, women burn me or 
Whatever your beliefs are, that's what's shaping your reality. My belief is that women, my group of friends are amazing and that my belief is that I've got great radar for great people and that people are going to be loyal and trustworthy and they're going to be there for me. That's my belief. And so that's my reality. Whatever is your belief has become your reality. So if you're not in love with your reality, you got to look at what beliefs you have that have created this reality. If you want more people you can rely on and trust and who are there to support you, then you've got to let people in. And you've got to not just be needy, you've got to be the person who's there for them too. This is like a two-way street. You've got to connect with people. You've got to trust them with your story and you have to be there for their story. This has got to go both ways. You can't be the needy one. You can't be the person who's always filling the other person's cup. I mean, you'll just come to resent them. Comfortable, easy relationships go both ways. So stop keeping score. Stop worrying about what they think or who contacted who last or whether you were invited to this or that or what they might think if you call them or text them. Just connect with people. Just reach out. I am here to support and serve you because you are thebomb.com. Hi, this is Brooke Powers, Vice President at Smart Life, and I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite products that we have. It's our push journal. And we created the push journal because we know that you want to be making progress towards your goals. And in order to do that, you need a better system to hold yourself accountable. The problem is you've tried countless planners and journals and nothing seems to stick, let alone be effective, which I'm sure can make you feel defeated. We believe it shouldn't be a burden to keep track of your productivity and hit your goals. We understand that motivation, organization, and sticking to a routine can be a struggle. We've motivated and helped thousands of people to identify and set goals and stay focused on daily tasks that increase productivity that actually help you hit your goals. Does this sound like you? This is all you need to do. Go to pushjournal.com and order your push journal set. While you're waiting for your journals, download the instruction booklet at pushjournal.com to get an early start on setting your push goal and to get a little taste of how the system works. Stop wasting money on goal setting journals or programs that don't stick long term. Instead, find confidence in using a push journal for life. Trust me, you'll be addicted just like me. 